Thou shalt not kill. It's the first sin recorded after the fall of Adam and Eve and was inspired by the devil himself, who, as Scripture tells us, was a murderer from the beginning. But does it encompass all forms of killing? Are there exceptions? Can we be guilty of murder even if we haven't committed the act? How are we to properly understand an eye for an eye? How about capital punishment or being a soldier? Is false doctrine a form of murder? I want to know. It is our great honor once again to welcome each and every one of you to the Doctrine of Christ series with myself and Brother Jimmy Cooper. And we are so honored to do it because whether you know it or not, the Doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in your life. And we're so thankful that every week more and more are beginning to realize that. So, Brother Jimmy, I'm just honored again to be back doing the DOC. Absolutely. How's your week been? It's been fantastic. What do you, uh, you've been studying? I know, I know you do at least four sermons a week, don't you? Three, four? Three, sometimes four, and it'll vary, but yeah. uh, we are, we're very busy. Um, hey, the, the days are, uh, the days at hand, the, the days are, the end times are here. We got to get that message out. Yeah. Every week we do the Friday night, and uh, every week we do the DLC and the midnight ride and plus others sometimes. So, you know, we, we want to do everything we can to reach as many people as we can for as long as we can. That's our heart. There's no plan B. So, and I tell you, I've always say that of all the things we do, there's nothing I enjoy more than the doctrine of Christ. And, um, same here, same here for sure. Because it's the most important thing in your life. So what could be more important? It's you know the most important thing in my life. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I get I, I get just as much out of this as everybody. I do. It's too. awesome. I do too. And in this study on the Ten Commandments, we're going to be um, continuing. And uh, in Matthew nineteen sixteen, and behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do? that I may have eternal life. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. And uh, this is an important thing. And this week we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 20 and verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. And the as short first- as that verse is, how come I have a feeling it's it's got a lot packed in there? Yeah, like every one of the Ten Commandments, um, it is indeed time. It's like you know, thou shalt not kill. Okay, all right, I won't kill. It's it. I think it's probably a lot deeper than that, isn't it? It is indeed. It's all of the commandments. The Ten Commandments is the foundation of all of the law. Yeah, and when we really, really understand and begin to understand the depth that's there we're we're on our way mm. but toward living a successful and victorious life um the very first sin recorded after the fall was murder 
John eight forty four, ye are of your father, the devil and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. As we're going to see, there are more than one way to murder someone, and we're going to see that there are also instances where the taking of a life of another human being does not fall under this commandment. And in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse 24, the scripture says this, Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. What this commandment really entails is premeditated murder. And we're going to look at the Puritan, Wilhelmus Brockell, and he gives four exceptions to this. And we're going to be examining the four exceptions that Mr. Brockell gives. And uh, in the first one, he says the following four instances are not included in the homicide forbidden here. First, there is the putting to death of a murderer by the government. And some people will use this scripture, thou shalt not kill, and they will use it to try to say that it's wrong for any kind of capital punishment to be done by civil authorities. And this is just absolutely not correct. And we're going to see as we study, it's not only incorrect, but it is a sin not to carry out capital punishment on premeditated murder. It's not only a sin, but it is defiling. And this is just one of the many reasons why our nation is defiled. In Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. It's clearly spelled out in the New Testament also in Romans chapter 13 and verses 3 and 4 where the text says here. And you know, today when somebody, and there are some people that stand trial for murder should never even have even been indicted for murder. Uh, I think we have a case of that now up in Wisconsin. Yeah. And, um, there are other cases where someone commits egregious, obvious premeditated murder, and they stay on death row for decades. Yeah. And many of them are never, most of them anymore, I think, are never executed. They end up dying natural death. Yeah. And that is a defiling sin, also, as we'll see. Romans chapter 13, verse 3 and 4, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then... Not be afraid of the power, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. It's clearly stated in the old and in the new that the civil government in cases of premeditated murder, 
they not only have the right, but they have the obligation to carry out that very thing. In uh, Exodus chapter 1, 21 and verse 15, and when we read uh, Exodus uh, chapter 20 and verse 13, thou shalt not kill, you just go over one chapter. And in Exodus chapter 21 and verse 15, the scripture says, and he that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. And we just did last week the commandment on honoring our father and our mother and to physically hit your father and mother was a capital offense. That's how important that commandment was, as we did our best to stress last week. Mm -hmm. And so clearly, when we're talking about thou shalt not kill, we're talking about premeditated murder. We're not talking about taking away the right of the state, which is obviously commanded uh, in the word of God to do that. Now, in uh, Wilhelmus Brockell, and he said this on page 196, he who forgives a murderer is opposed to the commandment of God and is an accomplice to the murder. Now, by that, of course, he doesn't mean, you know, we're all to forgive anyone. But if we forgive the crime and not allow the state to punish you're an accomplice to that. He goes on to say, moreover, you shall take no satisfaction. And he's quoting here. Moreover, you shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer, which is guilty of death, but he shall be surely put to death for blood. It defileth the land and the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. Numbers 35, 31 and 33. There is a defilement in our land, not only because of the blood that's being shed, but of the failure of the government to enact the death penalty on those that take deliberately the life of others. He says, yes, even if the murderer fled to the altar of the temple, he had to be taken from there and put to death. Thou shalt take him from mine altar that he may die. Exodus 21 and verse 14. Popery does exactly the opposite by designating their churches and monasteries as neutral zones for murderers. And many times there are countries that this is honored where they have a strong Catholic presence that if you can run to a Catholic church, they won't arrest you while you're inside the Catholic church. So I didn't know that. Yeah. And this is something that, um, uh, has happened a lot. It's even happened in our countries. I don't know if they would get away with that anymore, but uh, it, it has happened many, many times in the past. Now, in Exodus chapter 21 and verse 24, there's a scripture here that would be good for us to look at. It says here, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Oftentimes, it's talked about how terrible this is, but this is a commandment in the law for fairness so that people will not overreach. And Matthew Henry talked about the way that the Jews perverted this commandment. And uh, I talked a little bit about this, well, quite a bit actually in our 
teaching we did on the fathers, not Amish. But Matthew Henry said the execution of this law is not hereby put into the hands of private persons as if every man might avenge himself, which would introduce universal confusion and make man like the fishes of the sea. The tradition of the elders seems to have put this corrupt glass upon it in opposition to which our Savior commands us to forgive injuries. And this is one of the many other things that the Pharisees corrupted in their oral Torah and their Kabbalah. Well, eye for an eye, that means that you can just take revenge into your own hands. And no, this, this is for civil. This is what what the government, This is they're just letting you know what the penalty is that will be handed down to you by the government. Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And of course, the Pharisees, they use this for an excuse for personal revenge and uh, taking uh, uh, just whatever action they wanted to take. And this is one of the many places over and over, if you read our New Testaments and our Gospels, that this is what the Pharisees did. And over and over, Jesus opposed them. And in Matthew chapter 5, we'll just read verses 38 and 39, which was Jesus' comment on that. And the basic principle of that is that the punishment should fit the crime. And you should not overpunish beyond that which the crime demands. I know there's some Arab countries and and where they kind of still live by that, and they have a lot less crime actually outside of uh, you know the bad men over there. But but just the <laughs> just the civilians, they have a lower crime rate than we do for sure. Yeah, and I have no problem with that, and in, in the taking of it literally. Uh, because that's what the, the law of God says. People today, whenever God's law is followed, even by in ungodly nations, we think it's such an outrage and it's such unfair. But no, it is what's fair. Godliness is normal. Ungodliness is not normal. Right. And it's just a, a real spiritual barometer of where we're at. There's uh, there's no doubt about that. See, th- this is one one of those things, too, that I hear people who argue against keeping the commandments and obeying the law. They say, well, then we better go kill people that do this or kill people that do that. Or that sure. keep, we better we better go kill people that uh, don't keep the Sabbath right, because that was another or or they're at yeah. least excommunicated. Yeah. That was, so uh, we don't do that. So therefore, the uh, law's dead. We, we don't need to be doing that. Or then, then they like to say, those who are guilty in breaking the law in one thing is guilty of breaking it in all. Yeah. And I tell you what, they have uh, a thousand and one ways to get away of, from the idea that there is a holy God that has a right to tell us how to live. Yeah. And that's the thing. We've all fallen short of God's law. We've all been guilty of breaking God's law, so therefore we broke it all. Yep. Therefore, we need a Savior. Amen. We need a Savior. But that Savior, when we accept him, instead of filling our heart with the lawlessness, will write that law in our heart that we will have a love to want to keep and obey it. Hmm. And this is the very thing that Jesus spoke against in Matthew five thirty-eight. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. You see, he's putting it on a personal level. He's not doing away with the law of God, which he said over and over. Just a few verses earlier, he said he didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And here he says that uh, he's speaking against that Pharisee Talmudic understanding of taking personal revenge. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So he's talking about personal injury and insult that doesn't result in bodily harm, that so many people will use this as an excuse to retaliate, eat physically on people. That's what Jesus has a problem with. And I think uh, most people with common sense understand that. But today, there's not a lot of common sense. And these basic assumptions that we live in of the law of God being gone, they're so pervasive in American religion that it's sickening. It's just disgusting. Well, we say they're gone because we don't want to follow them. We don't want to obey them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 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 Um, Mr. Bercall's second uh, point of the exceptions in this commandment, he says the killing of an enemy in a lawful war. Now, there's a big um, thing. The elephant in the room, if you will, is lawful war. And uh, there are so many um, wars that are obviously righteous. There are some that are debatable and there's some that I think that are just unlawful. I'm not sure that I'm not sure I understand which ones are lawful at this point or good. It's getting harder and harder to understand. And, um, what created, um, of the hell's angels was, during the Korean and Vietnam War, when wars become politicized to where we would send troops into battle and we would not bomb a bridge or take out a road or do the things we needed to do with to win. And these soldiers would see their, their friends and brothers in arms killed. They became so angry over this that they totally rejected society. And this is what began the the original hell's angels and uh what they call that was it terms of engagement or something like that or yeah uh, yeah there are terms of engagement and these become uh over there in um in afghanistan and in iraq you had to wait so long that that our terms of engagement was killing more soldiers than the actual combat Right. It's ridiculous. And you really have to wonder anymore. Our government, uh, and I, I appreciate very much people in the military. Absolutely. We got to have it. Yeah. We're at the point where our military has become so, uh, not our military, but our government is so twisted that, um, I think that it's not beyond the possibility that they'll be turned on American citizens before this is over. Yeah, and see, that's my point, is that 
our our military deserves to be only in honorable and just battles and it's rules of engagement it just hit me not terms of engagement rules yeah, of engagement terms of endearment rules but yeah you're right jimmy thank you for clearing that but yeah, uh yeah they deserve they deserve not to be put in harm's way to fight just some elite battle just so that for the elites you know that they just have something they want done so yeah, yeah. that's a whole nother thing so that is. i don't want to get you off on that but well just, it is very much something we have to think about and yeah. right i mean now, it's part of our life now and i i have a lot of respect and thankfulness for people that serve in the military but i know if our and of course our children are older than that but if we had children now that were contemplating going into the military, I would try to persuade them not to do it. That is what I would do. Yeah. But Luke chapter three, verse 14. Now, having said that, is it wrong to be a soldier? Is it wrong to have an army? Is it wrong to fight in a just war in Luke chapter three, verse 14? And the soldiers likewise demanded of him saying, and what shall we do? And speaking here unto uh, John the Baptist, and he said unto them, do no violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely and be content with your wages. He didn't say it's wrong to be a soldier. You need to leave the military. He told him how to be a good soldier. Right. And the same is true in Matthew chapter eight, beginning in verses eight through 10. And there are these people and I did a teaching not long ago, and I we began to discuss some of these issues. The Father's Not Amish, where you know we talked about the right of uh, self-defense, and this comes uh, into play also in this commandment today. Uh, but in Matthew chapter eight, verses eight through ten, the centurion answered and said, "Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof." But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. A centurion, a Roman soldier. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Jesus praised the faith of this Roman soldier over the people, the faith that he was getting out of the so-called religious leaders. Well, I guess this soldier had seen enough. He believed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in verse 13, and Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self same hour. So absolutely. It's all right to be a soldier. We need them. And if you're a soldier, I thank God for you. And I just pray that. Um, hey, the children of Israel went into all kinds of battles. Yeah. And uh, we'll read a scripture here uh, in Revelation <laughs> chapter 19 and 11. And I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Oh, yeah. So there's going to be a little fur fly of when the Lord returns. And the father, 
is of the same opinion. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 3, here's another short little verse that uh, is good for people to memorize. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. (laughs) You know, so absolutely, there is a time for war, as the book of Ecclesiastes says. And all over our Bibles, it affirms this fact. On uh, In Acts chapter 10, the first uh, pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the Gentiles was upon a soldier. In Acts chapter 10, we see the story of Cornelius. There was a certain man in Carcerea called Cornelius, and centurion, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And he was honored by God and greatly so with being the first Gentile to receive the baptism mm. of the Holy Ghost. So mm. people need to get off this stuff that it's wrong to be a soldier. It's it's just wrong uh, to say that it's wrong to be a soldier. So certainly we have to say that uh, Brother Brockell is right. Now we're going to consider the third and we're going to look at these four places where killing does not violate this commandment, then we're going to look at deeper things that this commandment does entail. Uh, The third uh, exemption Brother Brockell meets states here is inadvertent manslaughter also is not included in the homicide, which is forbidden. This is true, for instance, when a person falls down from a house and dies, or if upon using an axe, its head slips from the handle and kills a bystander or passerby without the person using it having any intent to do so. And there's some scriptures here that we can give uh, in support of this, and that's what we need to do. Uh, We need to test these points and see if they're right, and they indeed are obviously right. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 4 and 5, the scripture says this, And this is the case of the slayer, which shall flee thither, that he may live. Whoso killeth his neighbor ignorantly, whom he hated not in times past, as when a man goeth into the wood, with his neighbor to hew wood, and his hand fetcheth the stroke with the axe to cut down the tree, and the head slippeth from the helve, and lighteth upon his neighbor that he die. He shall flee unto one of those cities and live. And there were cities of refuge. That must have been he, a common thing that happened with axes back then. To, well, to um, use that as an example. Back then, they did a lot of wood chopping. Yep. And if you didn't get that right, Someone can get hurt. Yep. It's, uh, it did happen. And um, there were cities of refuge under the law when Israel was in the land that if this situation took place, you could run to the city of refuge and you would be protected. Mm-hmm. So this was a very, very good thing to prevent, to prevent that. In the book of Exodus, chapter 21, uh, let's look at verses 13 and 14. And the scripture says here, and if a man lie not in wait 
but God deliver him into his hands, then I will appoint thee a place whither he shall flee. But if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, thou shalt take him from mine altar that he may die. When people premeditatedly uh, plan to take someone's life, it is a sin not to take that person's life. But uh, in these other instances, uh, these are obviously not a part of this commandment. And well, the, well, that next verse is pretty hard too. And he that smiteth his father or mother shall be surely put to death. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, this just goes to show that the father takes this very seriously, very, very seriously. And this was the way the law was pe- to be delivered while Israel was in the land. And just because Israel is no longer in the land, does it mean that's not right? right? And that God is ultimately going to judge according to this. So um, the fourth exemption, Mr. Brockell lists, he says, fourthly, the slayings of one's neighbor out of self-protection is also not included in the forbidden homicide. This occurs when either a murderer, a person who is in a fit of wrath, or a demented person attacks someone in order to slay him. This person being attacked flees as far as he can and is overcome in such a way that he can no longer flee. He calls for help, warns the attackers, but there comes no relief. He either must permit himself to be killed or he must in self-defense killed the attacker. If he kills him, he is not guilty of bloodshed. Rather, this is referred to as self-defense. Now, here's a statement I think is well worth considering. One is obligated to preserve his life, and this is the only objective here. If this culminates in the death of the other person, the attacker is guilty and not the person being attacked. And I believe that we are guilty. I mean, if we're, if we just are so docile, and this is literally the thought that the Amish have, there have been horrific cases recorded where there were even men going in and taking advantage of the wife and the man not lifting a hand to stop the situation. You know, I don't call this godliness. I call this cowardice. Yeah. And people have to be able and I, I think it's a sin not to defend your own life because that a, thou shalt not kill applies to us also. Thank God. We're covered by that. What Bible is the Amish people reading? Well. Oh, they read a German Bible, don't they? Well, I'm not sure. Uh, I, think it, I think they still read in German. They came out of Europe. You could very well be right about that, Johnny. But um, yeah, I've not studied them. That's one. That's one group of people I have not studied very much. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I agree with that, and and we could boltress that with the scripture and the doctrine of Christ in um, the Gospel of Luke, chapter twenty-two and verse thirty-six. And I think, sad to say, that this is a scripture and this is a thought that many. Bible Christians are going to have to think about this and they need to make their mind up because I think more and more we're going to see this situation arise in Luke chapter 22 and verse 36. The scripture says this, 
Then said he unto them, But now he that hath the purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. There's a time, and I we discussed this, I know, in a lesson not long ago. I don't know if it was a DOC or another one. Uh, probably in our Father's Not Amish lesson. But anyway, when Jesus was with the disciples on earth, they had the divine protection. You know, Jesus wasn't going to be taken out until he gave his life up. And there was a divine protection. But when he was going to resurrect unto the Father, they needed that self-defense. So it was time for them. They don't have a sword to get one. And um, that would be my advice to individuals to take preparations to be able to defend yourself from this type of attack that would not to be an aggressor, but to be a a self-defender, but but for Mm self-defense. And this is a legitimate exemption to this commandment. And while we're thinking about this, there's another uh, unhappy situation we really need to think about a little bit, and that's suicide. And uh, the Puritans were very firm that this, for a person to kill themselves, was a violation of this commandment, and it would be damnable. Yeah, I was reading some of Thomas Watson today Yeah, on this topic. And you can't argue with that. Well, it's, our what? body is the temple. That's exactly right. Now, also, uh, I cannot, you know, and it's not my place to judge anyone's eternal destiny. However, uh, in situations where people are no longer capable of clear, rational thinking. Now, I don't think you're exempted if you get so jacked up on meth or something that you kill yourself. I wouldn't put a happy face on that. No. But there are situations where people have, they just. Mind do, disorder, uh, disease or something exactly like that. Right. Just like a person that is not totally mentally competent, we could not hold to um, the same degree of accountability. So yeah. I just leave those situations with the father. I just teach the word and I have to say to anyone committing suicide, I wouldn't be very cheerful. Uh, you know, a lot of people, they just think, well, I'm exempt because I'm just so upset. I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go there if I was you. So while I don't judge people, I certainly cannot put a happy face on suicide to where it could in any way be condonable. We're seeing more and more cop by suicide or suicide by cop, suicide by police officer, where people will do a string of horrific acts and they just make their mind up. I'm going to do everything I can, then I'll just walk out and they'll kill me and that'll be it. A lot of that going on. Yeah, Thomas, that was a Mr. Watson said something like that. You, if you're in battle and 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 the people are just pulling bows and arrows, and you decide to just run over there and get in front of it, you you haven't pulled the trigger. You know, you haven't done it yourself, but you actually put yourself in harm's way. So putting yourselves in harm way, harm's way on purpose falls under that category. And David, there. And I read that very thing by Brother Watson, and he was talking specifically of David sending Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, Uriah, into the heat of the battle where he would be killed. Well, 
How about also, and here's the way I kind of think, for what it's worth, that if you have an ungodly government that sends people into an ungodly situation, just like David did with Uriah, I don't believe God is going to hold Uriah guilty of murder for being a soldier. I believe God's going to hold the person that sent him into that situation well, as guilty of murder. Didn't, didn't David in the scripture, when he got busted for all this by Sam, was it Samuel or uh, the prophet Nathan? Nathan, Nathan thou art when he, the man. When he, get, when he got busted, it was Saul that dealt with Samuel, wasn't it? Saul's the one that dealt with Samuel, right? Well, Samuel dealt with Saul. Yeah, okay. Or yeah. So so yeah. So Nathan bust David and <laughs> and but when David was repenting, he he was yeah, he got caught with adultery, but he 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 was more repentant for the blood guilt that he put on himself for sending Uriah in the front lines. He wrote a letter. That's what that's what he was saying. Exactly death by, by death PM. by writing. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of our politicians are guilty of murder by signing ungodly orders. For maybe for the whole existence of this country, who knows? Wow. Yeah, it's 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 something to think about, and also in line with this is the issue of euthanasia. Doctor Kavorkian, that wants to medically end people's lives when he determines that or or many people that medical science falsely so-called has the right to decide who's when people's life can be terminated. And the other side of this argument is, well, uh, do I have a right to refuse a ventilator and to, if the father wants to take me, uh, just let him take me. And I think we have a right to just let the father to let our lives expire when it's to that situation. That's kind of where I sit at the moment. Now, if I get in that situation, I, you know, I might change, but I don't, I don't think I will. I'm, I mean, I, whatever I end up facing, I want to, I want to trust my God, my father to, yeah, to, to do as he wills with me. Now, I believe 10 years ago, I would have trusted the medical establishment to do the right thing. Today, I would not. There's been and quite I, a shift in the, in that whole field. Well, and just like with the COVID issue, there are what they call their regimens and protocols that hospitals have to follow. And I fear many times those regimens that would involve ventilators that they, I don't believe they preserve people's lives. I believe many times they take people's lives. Yeah. So. I, you know, these are issues that it's time for believers to think about these things, you know, time for believers to think about these yeah. things. So, yeah. um, that's what we're going to do now in Matthew chapter five, verses 21 and 22, we're going to think about some things that also really are murder. Besides the taking of someone's life physically, uh, brother pink says this on page 44, I got that book coming tomorrow. Well, I tell you what, my got, three finally ordered it. My three go-to books. I'll read Thomas Watson, Arthur pink and Wilhelmus Brockell. And I love them. I love to I read all three. And, uh, 
in the multitude of counselors or safety. And then like we do here, we just don't follow blindly. We go to the scripture and we let the Holy Spirit lead us. But Brother Pink said this, uh, so too unjust and inordinate anger, if it be allowed to lie festering in the heart, will turn into the venom of an implacable hatred. Such anger is not only a cause, but it is actually a a degree of murder, as is clear from the teaching of Christ. Evidently, Brother Pink thought the Sermon on the Mount was for believers. Looky there. He wouldn't have fit in with the club today, would he? But let's read the text, Matthew 5, 21 and 22. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Very, very dangerous thing. You can commit mouth murder, and it is so easy for anger. How many people... Um, have went down, you know, in, uh, to a bar on Saturday night, they have went down to a bar on a Saturday night or any night you want to pick. They went down there, they got drunk, they got mad and, uh, they took someone's life out of anger in Genesis chapter 49. They had no idea that they would have ever killed someone that night, but they got angry and they took someone's life in Genesis, uh, chapter 49 and verse 6. O my soul, come thou not unto their secret, unto their assembly, mine honor, be not thou united, for in their anger they slew a man. And anger is something that just the anger unjustly against someone is a degree of murder, as Brother Watson said. And this is so often one of the direct precursors against uh, that will lead to the actual taking of life. And there's a scripture here that if we would just, I tell you what, the book of Proverbs is just so good. We just ought to read it over and over and over. There's a lot of wisdom in there. That Yeah, yeah, that... <laughs> Yeah, Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. And I tell you what, this would save people a world of pain. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with the furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. It will bring you nothing but grief by getting yourself involved with a person That's an angry person and has a short fuse. And uh, Brother Pink said this on page 45, shun angry persons, fire quickly spreads. And this fire of anger, it is just like uh, anger is just like striking a match in a room full of gasoline. It'll spread, it'll escalate, uh, you know, make no friendship with an angry man and uh, we'll do well. Brother Watson also goes on and he lists envy 
and he has a good section there where he talks yeah. about envy yeah. as one of the precursors to murder. And he points out, and rightly so, that right in the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, and if you look at verse 21, it says, envyings, murderers. They are right there together in the works of the flesh. And as he is so correct, that this, just like anger, envy, oh boy, this is one of the things that is it's just murderous and it leads to so many actual murders and just take a little look at this word in the Greek envy. It's 5355 in the Greek. Phthanos, it may be derived from Phthino to decay, wither, pine away. And boy, when someone has envy, it just, eats them up. They wither, they pine away. Envy or pain felt and malignity conceived at the sight of excellence or happiness. What a sad thing that when you see somebody happy or being blessed or doing well, that this just makes you sick and it just eats away at you. I mean, it's awful, but there's nothing more contrary to the spirit of God than envy. And many poor people are some of the greediest people on earth because they are just envious of others. And it, this isn't just something that only poor people do, but there are many poor people that are talking about the wealthy and they're very guilty of this greed and envy themselves. I, I read today where envy was the reason why King Saul agreed to send David out to Goliath, thinking Goliath was going to kill him and solve all of his little problems. Could very well be. <laughs> Could very well be. Yeah, that would... Uh... And, and what about when he tried to kill him all those other times? He was envious because David would come in and everybody would be saying how David's killed his 10,000, Saul killed his thousands, but David is 10th. All that envy, and it just kept making him want to kill him. And he, he chased him around for, I don't know how long, how many, was it years? Was it months? It was. There it was, was a long time. Years and um, uh, where David lived as a fugitive, he sure did. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember the figure, but in uh, the, I think I called the teaching, the madness of King David. And we talked about David's life as a fugitive from the time he feigned madness in front of the, the king of Gath. But absolutely, yeah. And he, he had to a, do that more than once because he had to run from Absalom for, for a while too, didn't he, his son? He absolutely did. He absolutely did. And in Proverbs 27 and 4, wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand before envy? When you have people that are eat up with envy, this is something that unless they repent, it doesn't go away. This sucks the life out of them, and it causes them to be obsessed with other people many times to the point of killing them. Mm. And uh, another example would be the boss vineyard when Jezebel and Ahab, who had everything a person could want materially, but they wanted that vineyard. And they plotted and took Naboth's life so that they could have that. Hmm. 
it's terrible. It's just absolutely terrible. And in the uh, Song of Solomon, in the Song of Solomon, in chapter 8 and verse 16, excuse me, chapter 8 and verse 6, set a seal upon thine heart as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death, jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath the most vehement flame. And that's the way that jealousy and envy are. It's like a fire in an individual. It's, it doesn't go out unless we repent and break that jealousy and envy. Jealousy is truly as cruel as the grave. And um, th- these things are really obvious to when we look at Scripture and think about them, but yet how many people that name the name of Christ allow themselves to be infected with this and somehow try to uh, justify it? The Scripture says, if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. And uh, don't kid yourself. If this is in your heart, you're in a lot of trouble spiritually. Man, you know, when I was reading uh, Thomas Watson today, there were so many points, he, he and you know because you've read it, but there's so many points that he brought out that I would have never thought of. He One of the things was you can murder by ruining somebody's name, reputation, yeah. you know? Uh, and then, of course, the envy thing and the writing because David wrote a letter and that caused the man's death. There's just so many things I had never thought of before. And I, I think I'd advise anybody. Oh, I would get Thomas Watson's book on the Ten Commandments. It's worth the money. Oh yeah, and people don't study the Ten Commandments anymore. Well, no, most people don't even believe they exist. And I wish it were so that there were many other people going into depth teaching about the Ten Commandments, but it just isn't the case. It just isn't the case. And because of this, and you know, back the Puritans, they so honored the Ten Commandments. And like Brother Brockell, he he went into it in depth, analyzing and thinking about how God laws apply in so many situations, like this commandment here, it applies to so many nuances in our life, from suicide to self-defense to euthanasia, on and on and on and on, war. So we need to think about these things, and like the Bible says, meditate in his law day and night. It just doesn't, it's more more than to just, we need to read it, we need to meditate in God's law, and ask the Holy Spirit how how we apply it. Mm. But I agree, absolutely, that uh, if you're a believer, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you'd be greatly blessed by Brother Watson. Um In Ezekiel 35 and 5, because thou hast a perpetual hatred, and this speaks of Edom in regard to Israel, it's a perpetual hatred. You're not just mad and it goes away, but there's something in you. It's perpetual. It's an envy. It's a jealousy that eats at you until, yeah, and if a person has this in them long enough, you'll act on it. You know, you'll act on it, whether it's to whatever degree you'll act on it. Well, it's and like de- G- it's like Jesus said. It, it's really in your heart. So if you you're hating somebody in your heart, you've committed murder. You, you're 
anger against somebody in your heart. You've, you've, it's, 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 he, he, he equated that. He did. He did. And speaking about brother Watson, and I think here, um, he had, uh, he called it, I think maybe 12 ways you can kill somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It says we may be said to murder another in 12 ways and we won't get to go into all of them, but we'll mention a couple more. And one of them he said here is with the mind. Malice is mental murder. Think of that. Killing someone with your mind. Malice is mental murder. And let's look at first John chapter three and verse 15 regarding that. It says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Very clear. Very clear. Uh, so there you go. Mm. Malice is mental murder. I, I, I've got them highlighted. Can I just read the 12, yeah, not without going sure. into it, just so people can be yeah, thinking I, about I, it? Go into, you mentioned the... Uh, the murder of the reputation of the name. We're going to go into that one and another one in detail about taking away the things needed for life. But absolutely, Jimmy, go ahead and read those. I'm just going to mention them. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. With the hand, as we talked about with the mind, with the tongue, with the pen, by plotting another's death, by putting poison into cups, there was a story of a of an emperor. She killed her husband by poisoning the whole, or poisoning the wine that he drank. Uh, witchcraft and poverty, having an intention to kill another, consenting to another's death, like Paul did with yeah. Stephen. Yeah. By not hindering the death of another when you have the power to do so. You already talked about that. Yeah. Not executing the law upon capital offenders like you've already talked about. Yeah. There was one another one called unmercifulness. Yeah. Every one of these, there's so many nuances in life. These apply in so many situations. And um, when we have the power to save a life and don't do it. You know, and Brother Brockell talked about the very same thing that we become accessory to murder. Well, even uh, those, even the Good Samaritan story, those first two guys walked by. If that guy would have died, they would have been accessory. Sex wouldn't they have been accessory to murder at that point, or murdered him because they didn't I, help him. That's exactly right. Uh, that's exactly right. And um, uh, let's let's look at this one. Uh, this is number eleven on Brother Watson's list unmercifulness by taking away that which is necessary for the support of life as to take away the tools or utensils by which a man gets his living. And then he quotes the scripture, no man shall take the upper or the nether millstone to pledge for he taketh a man's life. Deuteronomy 24 and six. Now we're living that right now. There's places where if you don't have a procedure done, you don't get to go to work. Yeah. 
I mean, and that could cost you your living. I know that now there are states that want to implement a proof of vaccination for kidney dialysis. This is absolutely going to murder the individual. I personally know one of our listeners now in California that is in in a serious battle with cancer. They are denying her pain medicine. Well, they're 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 guilty of murder. They're murderers. They're murderers. And just like now, as let's just like this said, the millstone removing the millstone. This is the way that. Uh, many people earned their living without that they couldn't sustain themselves and yeah. the law forbids you know you don't take that away from a man but now people's jobs are being taken away um, it, it's horrible these people are murderers yeah. and uh, we're going to even put a deeper perspective on that in just a moment uh, but yeah there's just some deep deep reflection wouldn't it be great if we did have some godly leaders that would actually contemplate what God's law would say about things, uh, it's sad to say on just about everything, uh, we come down on the, the absolute end of the spectrum and we would be remiss if we did not mention, uh, abortion in Jeremiah chapter two and verse 34, it says also in thy skirts, is found the blood of the souls of the poor innocents. I have not found it by secret search, but upon all these. And what this text means that he didn't find it by secret search. It's open. It's obvious. There's blood of the innocents on your skirts. Uh, how obvious is it that the blood of the innocents is upon the skirts of our nation? It's murder. It's murder. And in the uh, prophet Hosea chapter four and verse two, it says by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Truly, there are so many ways that our government has become guilty of murder that truly blood toucheth blood. And judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. If people think that uh, God is going to wink his eye and um, shut his eyes and just let this go on, it's not. And I feel that we're just on the precipice of a well-deserved judgment from God. I, I don't even pray for for this place to be saved anymore because— in order for that to to happen, like Nineveh, everybody from top down has to be repentant, and that's probably not going to happen in this country. But I do pray for the remnant all the time to be protected, to be cared for, sustained like the children of Israel when all the plagues were hitting them. You know, that's yeah. a, I, you know, I don't know. That's just how I pray for for I for all you. of us. That's my heart also. That's my heart also. And those that do follow him and uh, the marks of the end time remnant, we say it over and over, those that keep the testimony of Jesus, the doctrine of Christ, 
and the commandments of God. That's the end time remnant. There's not some end time remnant going to be out there that we don't believe the teachings of Jesus are for today. You're not going to be in the remnant. Those that say, oh, the law of God's passed away. Well, you're not going to be in the, in the remnant either. The end time remnant will believe in the doctrine of Christ and the commandments of God. There's not going to be some other yeah. liberal. Oh, we're in the liberal wing of the end time remnant. Now, ain't going to be none of that. <laughs> you know, ain't going to be none of that. Now, something Brother Brockell said that I really, really loved, and it's a tremendous scriptural point. He said that there's three crying sins. There are three sins that if they are committed, that they cry out to the Father. Now, the first one is bloodshed. In Genesis chapter 4 and uh, verse 10, and he said, Why ha what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Bloodshed of all the innocent little babies killed in the womb, those voices are crying out. And uh, my goodness. And the second one is oppression. And we're coming to the place in America, and we've given a few instances already, that there are people that will take away people's livelihood. They will take away their property. In this new green initiative, which the Pope uh, signed on to, and also Joe Biden, his famous <laughs> performance there at the climate summit, you know, and um, I, 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 I just have to tell a little joke. Um, you know, Joe was there at that climate summit and someone said, it's time for the Pope. And poor Joe just thought, Amen. well, you know what's coming on. I'd even finish it. But, you know, bless his heart. Uh, it's a sad state. Our nation's in it, but it's coming to the point of oppression. In Psalm chapter 12 and verse 5, for the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, will now will I rise, saith the Lord. Oppression is a crying sin. And when the people are in oppression and begin to cry unto the Lord, and right now the remnant is praying. People are losing their jobs, losing their homes. But anyway, I didn't even finish my thought about this new Green New Deal thing the Pope signing on to. That if you don't, if your home isn't green, they can tax you, they can take your home, and they're already over in Australia. They're seizing bank accounts. This is rolling. They're going for total takeover, and uh, it's uh, oppression. Bible Christians are being oppressed, and this is going to escalate. I've got a uh, brother and sister down there, and uh, we we chat all the time, and. So I keep tabs on them and they keep tabs on me and that stuff really going on. They're there. They're right in the midst of it. And he's lost a few jobs because he didn't get to procedure and, and, but God is faithful and provides him with another one yeah. that he's still not mandating it yet. And, and, uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing to see how God is, is continuing to take care of them throughout all this, but it's getting, yeah, you're right. It's getting, it's getting worse. It's coming, and it's coming our way. Um, 
and we pray regularly. We, we get on, we have a lot of wonderful listeners in Australia that we've heard from them so much. They become friends and we pray for them regularly. We made mention, I think last Friday night, it's, uh, you know, it's oppression and God's people are beginning to cry out because of oppression and the father will rise up because this is a crying sin, bloodshed, oppression. And the third one is sodomy. In Genesis 18:21, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know. Sodomy, oppression, and bloodshed. And sad to say, our nation is now guilty of all three. And these are crying out to heaven. And, uh, well, you know, even the- before the times that we're living in now, you think of oppression, you think of all the imagery we've seen of starving kids in Africa, you know, they're being oppressed. There's no reason why they can't have food. Food gets delivered over there, but, but because there's evil people on the, uh, uh, snatching it all and not delivering it to the people, they're being oppressed and they're going hungry and there's no reason for it. There's no reason at all. No reason at all. And the final thought, that we'll have in our study today of this commandment, thou shalt not kill. And we could have went another couple hours. We could. On this one little short verse. We could. And um, are the Christ killers. And I'm not talking about the people that killed him. Physically. The flesh. Mm-hmm. But how about this? In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 6. Well, let's just back up to verse four and it speaks of apostasy. And this was spoken to Jewish Christians that were going back under the temple observances and animal sacrifice and the tradition of the elders for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, apostatize, to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. And we could ask ourselves this, Jimmy. What if Jesus would walk into some of these churches and if they wouldn't really know it was Jesus and he would start teaching them the sermon on the Mount and the pastor would have to say, now that's out of order. (laughs) Those words aren't there for us. If Jesus would persist, would, uh, and of course he'd probably cleanse the temple again, but, uh, would Jesus be thrown out, arrested, uh, killed? Maybe do they have, uh, for the real Jesus that would say that, uh, the law's not done away. What would they kill him again? And I think that, you know, the reason why that the Pharisees and the Rhodians, we talked in our teaching on the Sabbath in Mark three, that when he done good on the Sabbath, well, they took counsel to kill him. And they did that because if Jesus was right, their little religious establishment would go out of business. And everyone that Jesus was and was able to follow him, they were not following in them. 
and taking money and energy out of their religious machine. That's why they killed Christ. Yeah. And that's why I believe that the – and I know we're hated. We are hated by um, religious people today. Uh, I could give some disturbing emails that we've got that are just nothing less than threats from church people. But I believe that not only the doctrines that churches are teaching today, you are murdering Christ and crucifying him afresh with your doctrine. And I believe that if the real Jesus, and he will, by the way, will come back again, that they would kill him in the flesh if they could. Another one of the ways that Brother Watson said we can commit murder, one of his 12, was the injuring of a person in their name. He says we must not injure another in his name. A good name is a precious basalm. And one of the reasons why I'm going to read this from the King James and the reason why it's going to be a little different because he was using the Geneva Bible. Oh. You see, some of our Puritan friends, uh, like the father of Puritanism, died before the King James Bible was translated, which did not mean they did not have an inspired Bible that was right and correct. But I just throw that in there because I'm going to read this out of the King James in Ecclesiastes uh, 7 and 1. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of one's birth. So absolutely, when you try to murder someone's uh, reputation, you know, this is murder. You know, this is absolute murder. Mm -hmm. And in Luke chapter 6, it's also very true that there's nobody, I mean, there are people that speak ill of us because of the things we say on the doctrine of Christ. And that's okay. You can all say what all you want, whatever you want to say. But in Luke chapter six and verse 26, it also says, woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. So we need to kind of keep that in mind too, that somebody that you don't hear anything bad about, uh, you're probably just a false prophet that is just trying to smooth out your words to anybody that will hear. And we'll close out here with this scripture in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 8. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. You can heal from the wounds of a lash but it's much harder to heal from the wounds of a tail bear, although the Lord can do that also. But they're much more serious, those wounds deep in the spirit, than those on our back. Yeah, I mean, if somebody's spreading lies about you or whatever, and then it keeps you from, it, it, it ruins your name where people don't want to hire you to work or this or that, yeah, it can just cause you to, it can do a lot of things. It can cause you to, to enter into the, the, uh, mindset maybe of committing suicide. It yeah. could, uh, it could drive you to go to get angry enough to go kill that person. I mean, it could, you could see all these scenarios that we talked about tonight 
Yeah. Even just from ruining somebody's name. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm just thankful that um, we have the Word of God, and I'm so thankful that there are so many of God's people that are really realizing that uh, we need to get it all. And I'm so thankful to be able to um, really get into the Ten Commandments in a way that helps us think about these things. It's a real good thing. With all of my heart.